A Pod Australian production. Skanan. Oh wow, I'll be listening. Today we are joined by a fellow podcaster all the way from Vancouver, Canada, whose podcast Sips of Supercall is, to read from her very impressive website, a podcast dedicated to the ingredients we add into our lives to find success, happiness, and optimize our well-being in the pursuit of reaching the top shelf. Get ready to drink in conversations with the movers who touch on their donors, favorite recipes, and discover your Supercall. The host you're about to meet is an expert in experiential brand development with specialties including writing, multimedia custom art pieces, styling, mixology, brand strategy guides, and beyond. Again, quoting from her website, my background spans extensive creative industries in which in turn allows me to help you make your brand top shelf. So without further ado, I would like to ask what's going on with our guest for today's show, Gazelle. Hey, Sam. How's it going? Very well, thank you. And I think that was very well planned on on my behalf. So uh, I guess I'll just throw it back at you. Um, what, what's going on with you at the moment? How, how's things for you over there in Canada? Things are good overall. Um, I am, I've been home and isolating for the most part now for over two months. I uh, went into isolation March 16th. So I've only left a house a couple of times. I don't really even leave for walks and stuff, but that's just out of a little bit of paranoia on my end. But for the most part, I've been pretty good. Uh, for me, this time at home has been a bit of a relief in a, in a weird, ironic way, because I've never had this much time off in my adult life to actually rest and take care of myself. I've been working for the last 13 years, and the longest I've ever been off is maybe for two or three weeks at a time for like a vacation. So yeah, wow. it has been a little nice to be at home. Yeah. But I mean, all in all, it's kind of one of those things where it's nice, but it's bittersweet because of what's happening in the world. Mm. So just for people who aren't, aren't too sure of the situation in Canada and, and more um, specifically where you are in Vancouver, what's, um, what were the measures that were taken in place? How long has that been going for? And what's it look like now? Are you starting to de-isolate? Um, are there measures starting to be relaxed? Um, for example, here in um, Queensland, not too long ago, we've recently um, allowed non-essential shopping for clothing and for shoes, which um, in my opinion is a big mistake, but um, we'll let the, let the people decide for that one and the numbers reflect that. Hopefully yeah. not, but yeah. Uh, yeah, in Vancouver, I mean, we've been lucky because our cases have been much lower than other places around the world. Uh, even compared to other cities in uh, Canada, I know Montreal has been hit the hardest with this and they're over on the East Coast. Uh, here, we're not as dense of a population. I think there's, and I'm probably going to get corrected, but I think there's maybe 3 million people in the Lower Mainland, which we're a big, we're a big little town. We're not a big city where, you know, um, so it's been good. We are on our way to going into what our local government calls phase two, which is an ease on some restrictions and certain uh, businesses opening up again, like restaurants. And I think they mentioned hairstylists, but there was a lot of pushback on that from 
the hair community. Um, but we've been really lucky here. I, the city has been really great and most people have followed guidelines and have respected the guidelines. Uh, ironically, we did have a handful of protests as well over the last couple of weeks of people who oh, think wow. COVID is fake. So it's been interesting to see that kind of unfold and the different perspectives that people have. But all in all, uh, we're really lucky in Vancouver. It has been pretty decent. I mean, I have friends who live in New York and that's just an epicenter of this chaos right now. Mm. So we are very fortunate with where we're at. And I mean, our uh, medical doctor who's leading it for the province, Dr. Bonnie Henry, she has been really great. They give, they address the city, uh, sorry, they address the province every single day except Sunday. So we get an update every single morning about what's going on, the numbers. And she's been incredibly supportive and open for people to be outside and to be exercising and using caution. But it's been, you know, I think we're really lucky because we get that information every morning. Our prime minister addresses it and then our premiers address it. So we're kind of always kept up to date and there's a little bit more hope overall, I think, mm. for us. Yeah. Now that's really good to hear. Um, and I guess I was just going to ask, so um, is is everything still shut down? Like what, what, is, what businesses are allowed to continue to operate and which ones aren't? Yeah. So all of the like non-essential like clothing stores, uh, malls, things like movie theaters, uh, bars, clubs, all of that is shut down. Gyms are completely shut down. Restaurants, they, it went one of two ways. In the first week, most restaurants closed down and that's the industry that I'm in for my day job. So uh, you know, most of the restaurants closed down. A lot of them reopened to do takeout and delivery. We have had, unfortunately, a handful of our local favorites closed down permanently just because they couldn't afford it mm. with what's happening. I think a lot of retail stores are slowly thinking about opening up, but they're trying to put in, you know, the restrictions. Our grocery stores never closed, like Home Depot never closed. Mm. Um, Ikea two days ago just opened up their you know, a uh, curbside pickup. So that was closed up until a little while ago. So it's, um, it's weird because there was a complete shutdown, but then businesses never really stopped working. They all kind of pivoted, went online. Uh, yeah. I get all my groceries delivered to me. So I haven't even had to leave to go line up. We have a really great local company here that works with all local farmers and local butchers and brands and supports the local economy yeah and just delivers fantastic. your groceries the next day which is which is awesome yeah mm. well um i just want to touch on two things there so first of all um perhaps for the more ego conscious of us um a lot of people on social media um and out in the world just in general have noticed a um a considerable difference in um how our cities have been um to quote Again, those um, those conservatives um, or con conservationists, um, a more um, replenishing um, source for for nature. Have you noticed a landscape change in any way? Um, is it a shock to you that that these businesses are closed when you are going out for your daily exercise? Uh, it is a, it is quieter for sure. Uh, the area that I work in, I've gone to my restaurant a couple of times. 
the area that I work in is in downtown Vancouver, and it's an area called Gastown. And all of the windows are boarded up. So in the first couple of weeks, um, and to give some context for folks who don't know about uh, downtown Vancouver and Gastown, it borders on the downtown east side of Vancouver. And the downtown east side of Vancouver has, um, has a community of homeless folks and folks who have issues with drugs and mental health. And it's probably one of, it's kind of our skid row here. Mm. Um, so a lot of businesses boarded up to prevent theft and to keep their shops safe. So the first time I walked uh, from my apartment to Gastown, uh, it was a little bit eerie and heartbreaking to see mm. a lot of the stores boarded up. But we had a group of artists a couple of weeks ago go and paint over every single boarded up shop. So now wow. when you walk through, there's like messages of hope and it's a little bit more colorful. So it is strange to walk through downtown and it being crickets. And, yeah, yeah. you know, you don't really see the hustle and bustle of the city that you're used to. But it's also really fun, like around seven o'clock when it gets really quiet and then everyone does the 7 p.m. cheer for the healthcare workers and you can hear an echo of applause just start and then pots and pans and banging and cheering and there's just this like echo and like a wave in like a stadium that you just hear from your window go through and wow. you hear that every single night and it's so you have to kind of try to look for the bright side of things and that's something that I've always like brings a smile to my face every night at seven o'clock yeah wow that's um that's incredible. Yeah. So you can hear that from from where you are as well, the um claps from from yes all the yeah the entire uh the entire province our premier I mean now I think the entire country and a lot of places around the world are doing it. But a couple of weeks ago, our premier got on the news and said, "I want every single person at seven o'clock to go out your window and make some noise." Mm. And seven o'clock is the changeover shift for hospital workers. So you start hearing like the boats and the trains and the buses and people just start cheering at seven o'clock and it kind of lifts up your spirits in such a really beautiful way because you mm. don't see anybody, you just hear the noise. So it's kind of like you look out your window, but you don't really see every single person cheering, but you can feel them. And I think that's, what's been so powerful about this. Yeah. Um, it's funny. It just reminds me on the, on the project, which is a, um, it's a uh, late night news show here in Australia. There was um, another um, MasterChef contestant that had recently been voted off. I'm not sure if you're aware of MasterChef. Yeah. Um, so um, basically, um, yeah, a, a nurse um, was talking about how um, nurses are finally getting like the sort of recognition that they really deserve. And, and she said, I wish everyone clapped for us nurses every day so um yeah it's funny that um I, I i'm not sure whether it started in canada but it's it's a it's a phenomenon that spans across cultures and communities everywhere and um with that i guess i'd just ask yeah. what what's your local community done to help those who are most vulnerable in this epidemic i, I know you mentioned that um artists have um tried to uplift um, the local community, and of course, as creatives, um, um, they suffer a lot as well from not having yeah. any of this work. Um, just to reference another um, uh, epidemic, I guess, in Queensland, $300 million worth of work has been lost in our um, 
in our um, creative community, I guess, from um, yeah. cancelled shows. Yeah, I mean, to kind of go on a side tangent on that, like the, the gig economy, I think, is going to be the hardest hit in the long run. Uh, a lot of industries might recover, but uh, in Vancouver, it's been, you know, we're really lucky with the government programs that we've had. Uh, the Canadian government has a Canadian emergency relief benefit. So anyone who's been laid off or has lost their job due to COVID-19 uh, qualifies for a $2,000 check every month. In our province, we were given a bit of a rent credit. So uh, based on your eligibility, you can get up to $500 a month off of your rent. And then there was a couple of different fees too. In terms of the local community, I mean, I'm going to touch on the hospitality industry uh, because that's what <laughs> I live in but mm. um, we had a group of chefs here start something called a staff meal program and it's uh, five dollars and they you can donate so like if you're ordering takeout you can order an extra five dollar staff meal that you obviously wouldn't get but it would go to those who need it and mm. those in the hospitality industry our hospitality industry here is so resilient and so strong and it's such a wonderful community we've had so many different programs our bartenders association here uh somehow finessed you know a donation from ryan reynolds through aviation gin because ryan's wow. from vancouver so yeah. they were like um I think it was uh, Amber, who's an incredible bartender here at one of the bars, the Kiefer Bar. Uh, she did a tweet where she was something like, hey, Ryan, if you don't give us some money, we're going to have to ask Hugh Grant, which was like really funny and played on their rivalry. But we've seen a lot of donations. A lot of chefs have stepped up and raised money. And uh, recently we had a million dollars go out in forms of $500 grants to those that applied within the hospitality industry wow. and there's a lot of people that are like you know even if they're not working they're going in and they're helping cook food for folks who are you know at risk in the downtown east side for families who can't afford it there's so many chefs that have rallied together a lot of restaurants that had perishable food items like with my restaurant we gave all of our perishable food items to our staff mm. and we sent them home with a bunch of food and and did what we could um to keep them going for a couple of weeks and obviously from my location my restaurant we reopened and we're doing takeout and delivery um but a lot of restaurants have closed and the ones that are open are very active in the community and kind of paying it forward mm -hmm. we have i would guess probably about 20 to 30 different restaurants that are providing staff meals or that kind of a programming and um it's been really cool too to kind of see a different side of owners and the vulnerability that they share for their community you yeah. know they're kind of always on a different level and and you can't really relate to those restaurant tours or whatever because they're the big shot guys and uh, a lot of them have been stepping up and talking and coming together to save this industry so you know when you were once competitors you're now collaborators to like mm. save your industry and have it last yeah yeah so it it sounds to me like uh an overwhelming uh community outpour there in vancouver and it, it's great to hear um i have noticed that you've mentioned a few times that you work in hospitality so I, I might just ask 
what is it exactly you do? Um, uh, how, as a creative, are you involved in that space? And um, also after that, I'd like to get into what um, the Canadian government is doing to help um, small businesses. Sure. Um, so I right now am technically laid off, but my title is general manager. I also work as a, a consultant. Uh, this is all day job, by the way. So if you say nine to five, it would be general manager and consultant and sometimes bartender. And then for the other hours in the day, I, I wear many hats. It's always kind of hard to de define what I do. So I always say that I'm the CEO of Creative Endeavors because yeah. <laughs> I always am trying different things. Um, I fell into the hospitality industry by complete accident about four years ago. I was running my own marketing and creative agency where we would do brand development, social media, video, photo production, event production, you name it, we did it. And I got really bored of being around the same people. So I picked up a part-time job as a hostess on the weekends just so I could switch things up and mm. absolutely fell in love with restaurants. I never thought that like, you know, my career would lead to anything to have to do with restaurants, but now I can't imagine a life without it, which makes this whole global pandemic a little bit bittersweet because we don't know what the future of it will be. Mm. Um, so yeah, now I've been in it for about four years. More recently, I've been focusing on a lot of the business consultations and brand developments based on my years of experience. Uh, prior to my marketing agency, I had my own digital publication. I was a signed uh, and represented stylist for commercial and celebrity styling. So wow. I did that for a couple of years. So I've lived quite a few lives and now I'm in a position where I've realized everything I've done, the common thread has been watching people have that aha moment, you mm. know, when they just get to forget about like all the crap in their life and they get to truly enjoy themselves or you know, you're talking about business ideas or creative ways to expand your business. And all of a sudden that like light bulb goes off and they just get it and they can see it. That's mm. the kind of stuff that just like gets me going. And so I've been able to tie that in with the restaurant work because it brings communities together. You can break bread, you know, share a drink and I've had regulars where I've gotten to, you know, I've served them at the bar and then I've helped them build their business while they're there. So wow. it kind of ties in everything I love to do together. Yeah. So um, it's, it's and, really about um, that meeting place of people and, and being able to connect on a, on a deeper level, I guess, and, and converse with these people. Um, and as well, it's about that, that flow state and, and getting those light bulb moments. So there's a few big exactly. ideas in that. Yeah. Or as Oprah Which, likes to I mean, call them, the Harpo moments. So sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, that, but that's exactly it, right? And so even with my podcast, the reason I called it Sips of Super Call, in hospitality, Super Call is top shelf products. So, ah. so the really fancy booze that you have on the top shelf, we those are known as Super Call products. And so um, they're also the high proof, I'm going to get corrected for this, uh, they're the high proof alcohols as well so i'm gonna throw that little nerdy <laughs> fact in there any bad bartenders <laughs> in the, in the <laughs> chat hit us up yeah they're gonna 
uh, they're gonna text me and be like, get your facts straight. No, but the idea of SIFS is super call is like every conversation, everything that we have, like, you know, I'll be like, hey, Sam, let's go grab a coffee or let's, you know, grab a drink and let's, you know, have some tea while we're sitting on the couch. Everything always has some kind of a beverage involved mm. and it's always the conduit to conversations. Yeah, it's interesting so to take that. That was the idea. Yeah. That was the kind of the idea around it was that, you know, there's always some kind of a beverage involved in our conversations and it's kind of how we break the ice. And so even like if you go out on a date with someone, you usually go grab a coffee or a drink first. You don't commit to dinner because that's too big of a commitment. So <laughs> it's always a safer bet to just grab a drink. Um, but it's, you know, it's that idea of being able to sit down and just talk and with Supercall, I really wanted to create a space where people got that and I could educate them on beverages, give them fun recipe ideas, but then talk them through different things of personal development and interviews with really, you know, I have some really incredible people in my network that have done like some of the coolest shit mm. and there's so much that people could learn from them. So yeah. that's kind of where that all came together. Yeah. So would you say that you're, um, the sort of recipes you walk through and, and the beverages that you explain, is that in some way an analogy to um, the development that you go through when having those conversations with those um, people? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's the, um, people can say it in different ways. You know, there's a formula to success, there's a recipe to success, mm. and it's, it's about the ingredients, right? So it's about the steps that you take. And I think the sooner that folks realize it's not just a, you know, one to 10 step program and you're done, it's that you're continually adding recipes and you're changing, sorry, adding ingredients and you're changing your recipe and you're adapting and pivoting. That's kind of my analogy for it is that like, I can start with one simple cocktail, but over time that cocktail is going to evolve and the ingredients are going to change and things are going to switch up and Maybe one day it's shaken. Maybe one day it's stirred. And that's kind of how life is, you know? Yeah. So, oh, especially yeah. in this pandemic as well. Like nobody would have been able to predict that this time last year, we'd be having all parts of our economy shut and, and yeah. the, the sort of hits we've taken. Um, so I guess um, from there, I'd just like to circle back and, and ask, um, what's what's it like for small businesses um in the current situation and and what sort of help has been available to them yeah um i don't know all of this because i've only been paying attention to my own industry but there are a handful of uh subsidy subsidies that they put into place for wages so the canadian government will pay up to 75% of an employee's wage for uh, the businesses. The biggest issue for us is the leases and the rent. And, uh, you know, Vancouver is a really expensive city. So comparatively, what people pay for rent here to other cities in Canada are really high. And um, I know that, you know, with our restaurant, we got really lucky because we had a good landlord who worked with us and, you know, figured out a different rate for the time being to, make it more affordable but there are businesses where people have gotten no help and no breaks uh, a girlfriend of mine she started a brick and mortar store 
mid-February. Like we were so excited. She finally, she runs a stationery company, a really beautiful stationery called Still Classics. And she opened her store and, you know, now she's kind of like, should I have done that? You know, in this economy. And I have other girlfriends Mm. who have stores and stuff and they're trying to adapt. And, you know, there's so many amazing local stores here. Uh, You know, my friends run a shop called Hey Juice. Hey Jude shop, which is a uh, uh, reworked vintage and they have beautiful clothing, homeware, and they've been doing, you know, they've adapted, they've gone online and they're doing store pickup, but nobody comes into the store. But when you think about how people have to pay rent and then you're limited to what you can do online, it really closes it down and limits what you're able to do. So I'm a little worried for those small businesses, especially right now, we've had so many shops closed down already mm. and we're only two months in. And I think come June, there's going to be another wave of closures if they can't meet like the guidelines and what they need to do to yeah. reopen because technically phase two for us is supposed to be May 19th. Although from my understanding, a lot of restaurants won't be opening for like in dining in the dining room uh, mm. until at least June, just because the they're trying to figure out how do you social distance in the restaurant. Um, but it's there's been a lot of help in terms of like you know they have loans and they have like forgiveness for the loans. But I think the biggest issue is that you're just putting people in more debt. So mm, you're just in the long run. Hard, yeah, like so it's it's a short term solution to keep your doors open, but how long are you going to keep your doors open? Mm. And how long are you going to, you know, go until you claim bankruptcy and just to be able to, you know, keep your staff employed for a little bit longer. And um, it's definitely a little scary to think what's going to happen in a post COVID world, because what's our local community going to look like? Um, But at the same time, I think there's positives to it as well. Um, you know, we had an institution here, it was around for a hundred years called army and Navy. And it was a a clothing store and they sold like just everything like food, hardware, whatever. It was like a cheaper version of everything, but it was local. So it was like a local Walmart kind of. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it was around for a hundred years and they announced last week that they were closing their doors because they couldn't afford it. And that was heartbreaking. And then there's another store in retrospect where like, I think they're like two blocks up and they sell fabrics. It's a fabric store, super old school. Like it's, you know, a bunch of grandmas in there who are running the spot and they just launched a website and they're like, like they're, they're super overwhelmed because they have so many orders. And so it's forcing people to adapt to the times as well, which has yeah. been bringing positive results for some organizations um and especially in grocery i think the people who run grocery stores are going to come out of this winners especially yeah. if they adapted to delivery because that's where like so many local mom and pop shops are now delivering i can mm. get my like fancy weird vegan products from a tiny store in chinatown delivered to me the next day and wow. i don't have to leave my house so i'm like yeah i'm gonna order and do that instead of ordering it online so yeah, it's pros and cons, you know, you have to kind of try and keep perspective of what's happening so you don't get too upset. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah focus on the good bits because there are plenty as as you have pointed out. Um yeah. and I think it's interesting to note that um 
you know, gro- you said that groceries were going to come out good at, um, from this because um, in Australia, um, it, gro- small grocery stores are, are practically non-existent in this day and age of corporate supermarkets. So fingers crossed, there has been a really big movement in Australia to support your local and to support Aussie as well. Um, I guess, um, has there been a similar shift or movement in, in Canada? Have people started to realize how local hurts? Yeah. And I mean, it exposes all of the supply chains, right? Mm. So um, if you look at like restaurants, as an example, like restaurants also have the farms they work with, the food suppliers, the liquor suppliers, and they, you know, have their drivers and their trucks. And we work with a lot of local companies already, but you know, if we're not ordering from the farms, who's ordering from them. Mm. And there was actually an article two weeks ago where Canada has too many potatoes right now. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Cause, um, you know, a lot of the, the farms who produce potatoes for like restaurants for French fries or, or whatever, they're not ordering as much. So there's like a surplus of potatoes in Canada, which is funny, but it's like the Irish famine again. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, at least, Potatoes are versatile. You can do so much with potatoes. Mm. You really like, if I had to pick a vegetable, I would be okay with potatoes because you can cook that in like so yeah. many different ways. <laughs> you can make it taste unhealthy too, which is always, always a plus. Anything deep fried is a plus. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Um, but yeah, the, the whole idea of, of shop local, I mean, Vancouver's always been pretty good with that. And we've really been pushing more sustainable models. We have grocery stores that are zero waste. We have stores um, like the soap dispensary, which you can get uh, groceries, you can get soap, beauty products, skincare products, everything with like zero waste, reusable, um, you know, packaging, things like that. So we've already been in that trajectory. And I think that COVID kind of fast tracked that and we're rallying more to support local. Um, obviously there's going to be big players no matter what, but it, it is up to the individual to decide what world they want to be in. Do you want to be in a world of just Amazon and McDonald's or do you want to have some variety and do you want to be able to have your local community thrive? Like, especially with restaurants, mm. my, my biggest fear is that after all this is said and done, you know, you're going to have a handful of like really small restaurants left over and everything else is like your taco bell and mcdonald's and pizza mm. hut which yeah which is unfavorable uh, just in the in the um perspective of health at least anyways and and also just you know culture right mm. like canada is such a diverse and multicultural city and especially mm. in vancouver the thing to do in vancouver we don't have a great nightlife here our nightlife sucks so what you do in vancouver you if you're not hiking or you're not at the beach or like you know snowboarding in the winter you're out and you're eating and you're going to breweries and Mm. in the summer you're driving up to the Okanagan Valley and, and you're going to wineries. So food is such a huge part of our community here. And I really hope that that survives after this. Mm. It's interesting. You mentioned culture. Um, Canada is um, obviously one of um, few Western countries that have adopted a bilingual uh, status um, not, not that many people, um, besides myself would know about that. Um, is Vancouver, is there many French 
in Vancouver or French speakers? Um, there is, but it's primarily in English province quebec is our quebec is our french province it's where mm. that's the primary language uh is in quebec is french but you know my french is pretty rusty i i went to i studied it in high school and i was i'm pretty good if i'm in conversational french but i have to practice it and it's been years <laughs> so if i go to I, I used to go to france a lot because i have family there so every time i travel oh, okay. to france it would be really great because then, you know, my little cousins who are four, seven, 13 and 15, like they only speak French. They don't speak English. Yeah. I also speak Farsi, so they don't speak Farsi. So I can only talk to them in French. So it really forced me to like be able to like brush it up and yeah. catch up with their quick little lingo that I don't. <laughs> yeah. And it's constantly changing as it is in, in um English as well. So I guess, um, in that sense, what, what sort of other cultures might one experience in Vancouver then? Um, so in terms of like food, we have an incredible Asian community here. Uh, our Asian restaurants are some of the top restaurants in the world, in my opinion. Mm. Um, and like our sushi is next level because, you know, we are a port city, so we get access to some of the best seafood and so we have some incredible sushi here we have a really cool and dynamic food scene here because there's also a lot of fusion places like we have japanese italian fusion restaurants wow. we have yeah we have um you know there's a restaurant here i love called como tapiera and they were uh, voted the second best new restaurant in canada last year and it's like you're at a bar in Spain, you know, it's the same vibe, same kind of food, same drinks. Mm. There's a really cool essence in Vancouver. And we're also really lucky because our, our bar scene, like with our bartenders, we have a handful of bartenders that over the last decade have been voted world's best bartender. Wow. So we have world-class talent in the city. And so our bars and our our, you know, our restaurants are so incredibly diverse and we have a little bit of everything. Like if there's something you're craving, you can find it here, um, which is really, really great. And it makes it really fun too, because a lot of the people that, you know, own the restaurants or the chefs, there's none of that hoity-toitiness that you would find like in a big city like New York. Mm. Everybody's so passionate. They just want to talk about what they're doing and their latest recipes and I've been able to meet some incredible chefs here and sit, you know, in their kitchen and watch them work. And it's such a pleasure to see the passion and creativity around it. Yeah. Wow. So it, it really does make the city shine is that, is that food scene. And, and I, I think it, yeah, it comes back to that thing that you were saying earlier about, about how it almost elevates culture and it gets people together. Um, and, and food is such a fantastic mechanism for that because it is something we all we all need to um consume and we all mm -hmm. need to um we gotta enjoy eat. yeah we gotta eat and um and if we have to eat we may as well enjoy it and i think that's what uh restaurateurs all about is bringing that to people and making yeah. it accessible i mean i've heard that oz has a oz has an incredible coffee scene from my yes friends. best in yeah. the world yeah i am i am dying to come and try it one of these days 
<laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it's actually, it's funny. Um, I, we are very snobby when it comes to our coffee, I guess you'd say. So when we hear Americans talk about Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks, we almost, um, like our eyes roll back into our head. It's just, it's ridiculous to us. And, and we yeah. invented the flat white, which is, which is essentially just, um, a cappuccino without, you know, the chocolate on the top or, or a latte. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know the difference, but it is my drink of preference. So yeah, I guess, yeah, we are very yeah. passionate about it. Which is great. I mean, I, I learned how to make coffee from a girlfriend who is Australian. So mm. I feel like I learned from, you know, one of the best. I would like to, like to hope that I know. Mm. <laughs> yeah. um, a, a bit off topic, but I, it just um, came to me. So in, in sure. France, I, I've actually had the opportunity to spend some time in France myself and um, nobody works unless they, they know that's what they're going to be doing for a long time. So uh, whereas in Australia, uh, as soon as I was um, the age to do it with, with my parents' consent, of course, at 13 years and nine months, I got my first job in a cafe. Um, yeah. Whereas in France, that's um, ridiculous. Like you wouldn't even consider it unless you dropped out at the age of 16. Like there is no school work. Um, what, what would you describe to be the work school slash study dynamic in Canada? Is it more the English system or the French system? Mm, I think it varies based on cities. Mm. Uh, in Vancouver, it's so expensive that you have to work. Mm. <laughs> um, like for myself, I mean, I'm a hard example because I love to work. I'm a workaholic and yep. I love the hustle and the process. So I, I've been working since legal age, which is 15. And um you know, I've never not worked, but it's also kind of one of those cities where it's kind of funny because then there's some people who never work and you don't really know how they afford things. And then you wonder like, are you a sugar baby? Do you sell pictures of your feet on the internet? <laughs> like, how do you afford to eat out every single night? Um, <laughs> so there is kind of some of that. I mean, we do have that kind of um, culture here too with that, uh. but yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, you know, it is work and school and in Vancouver, at least Vancouver is a little slower compared to Toronto. I, I traveled a lot for work for a couple of years and I noticed that I have more of a New York sense of work style where it's like, go, 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 get the job done, you know, act now, think later. Whereas here, depending on the industry, like some people are very laissez-faire and they take their mm. time. And they're super slow, but I think it's really dependent on the individual and the organization. Yeah. Overall, like overall, I would say it's pretty balanced. Vancouver is really great too because of our, you know, of our nature here and the weather. Like it never really snows. It snows once a year. Everybody freaks out for two days and then it's just <laughs> raining. But we have such incredible weather here that there is a work-life balance, and you can mm. go and work all day and still at eight o'clock it'll be somewhat light out. And you can go for an hour long walk and go home and do what you need to do. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. Um, I guess coming, coming towards the end here, you've mentioned that you've been working nonstop for the past 13 years. Um, and I guess I'd like to ask um, through all the changes in industry and, and all the different changes that we've been facing recently, how do you think 
those past challenges have helped you overcome the current battle that we all face um, against dealing with this epidemic? Yeah, uh, well, I think the hardest thing with everything that's happening is because there is so much unknown, there is an underlying sense of fear that we all have. Mm. And for myself, I've had such an interesting journey and I've gone through so many challenges and you know I I do deal with anxiety I've gone through dealing with depression so for myself I feel like because of you know years of meditating and learning to take care of myself like really take care of myself whether that's therapy or exercising or you know if you need to be a couch potato for a day don't beat yourself up just be a couch potato Mm. Um, I think that has prepared me to deal with this and I'm fortunate because I'm I'm really good in a crisis. I can think in a different like, like a million different ways and kind of push my way through. The hardest thing has been like not seeing my family. That's been yeah. really difficult. Like my mom and brother will drop by and you know drive over to maybe drop something off or we'll be 6 feet apart, but I've never not hugged my mom for 2 months. Like that's such mm. a strange, you know, thing to think about. Uh, even for Mother's Day, I like cooked her dinner here, packed it up, gave it to her, and then we ate it over FaceTime. So <laughs> <laughs> we had like we had to kind of adapt and figure it out. And so that's I think been the hardest part. Um, also, too, you know, I have a staff of about fifty. So mm. there's a lot of days where I can't even really think about myself. I have to think about them and make sure they're doing okay. And the day that we had to kind of let them all go and they all came in to, you know, grab their tips and grab some food and and what have you, like that was a really hard day for me. And Mm. I, it took every fiber of my being to not start crying because the reality was, was that this is probably, you know, one of the last times our team will be together for a really long time. Um, But I think for the most part, for anyone who is, scared and trying to find ways to deal with it uh funny enough i just did a podcast episode on this but um you know i think acknowledge what you're feeling and really listen to yourself and be self-aware there's so much messaging online like some people are saying this is the time you should be productive and launch your brand and yeah. you know Someone like, I, and I love him, don't get, I love Gary Vaynerchuk. So like when Gary V's like content, 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 like just post, <laughs> just do it. And I love listening to him, but I'm like, you know what? There are days where I don't want to get out of bed and I just want to lie there and do nothing. And that's okay too. And I mm. think people have to be patient with themselves and patient with each other. And I think right now more than ever, you know, we have to be empathetic. We need to be kind to one another. How I process might be different from how you process what's going on. And Mm. there's no wrong way to process. You know, we're, we're all processing it in different ways. Some people are mobilized with fear and some people are cautious and, you know, very intentional with everything they do. And maybe they're not scared of the virus, but there's other things that scare them. But I think all in all, you have to be kind to one another. And I think if that, you know, I've, I've heard so many stories from like, the US of people getting angry at grocery store clerks or, mm. you know, someone got like injured because they weren't a, like an employee got injured at a McDonald's because they didn't let the customer eat in the restaurant. Well, and, I think Australia like, like that, like, yeah, really, 
sorry um we we actually yeah. we got put no, on the okay. map for a little bit and went viral due to the toilet paper scandal i'm i'm not sure if you saw those <laughs> or heard I of did, it yeah. <laughs> but um yeah and uh, fortunately that that kind of had its day and and i think we're back to you know respecting each other and i think it's really important what you're saying there and 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 just being aware that we all cope in different ways and, and trying our best to support each other as we have been doing so. Um, yeah, I think it's perspective, right? Like I think if, you know, um, actually Gary Vee said this in one of his podcasts, but if COVID-19 happened, you know, two months earlier, Kobe Bryant might still be alive. Mm. And, you know, there's so many people whose lives have been saved because they have to stay home. And no matter how shitty your circumstance might be, there's someone who has it worse. And so you have to really keep perspective of what you have and really mm. practice that gratitude of like, you know, yeah, I have to pay an internet bill, but it allows me to Zoom with someone across the world and have a conversation, you know? Yeah. And so it, it's, it's about perspective that like, I could be mad that I have to pay 70 bucks for an internet bill, or I can be happy because it keeps me connected to my friends and my family and allows me to connect with, you know, new individuals like yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that I'm worth the $70 internet bill. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I guess before we wrap it up today, I just want to ask um, something I've been asking on the podcast for a while now Um, is hindsight 2020. What do you think? What are your thoughts? Hmm. That's a good one. Uh, it's hindsight 2020. Can I say yes and no? Uh, it'd be I the think. first yes, no we'd have. So I'd, <laughs> I'd love to hear it. Well, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where, oh man, right now there's no right thing. I think that's mm. why it's a yes and a no, because I think what we're doing globally with isolation and um, you know, are communicating and, and, and the different ways we're keeping up with what's happening. I think that it's, yes, we are doing the right things. And it's still so unpredictable right now for COVID and what's happening to be able to say is hindsight 2020 and to have the hindsight of what could happen or what will happen. Yeah. Because like one of the things for me, it's like, okay, if we reopen and then there's a surge of viruses again, or in you know infections and then we go on another lockdown then they open up again and then in the fall when everybody catches colds and flus and it goes into the cycle how do you predict what's going to happen so it's i think yes but i also think no i think it's right now one of these things where you have to kind of take it day by day um other things definitely there's you know i think in other situations hindsight is hindsight is 2020 but in mm. this one, I, I, I wouldn't even know how to answer that because every day is so different and so unpredictable. Yeah. How would you answer that? Well, I, I think I would <laughs> almost um, maybe cheat and tap into what you're saying there. And if I've understood it correctly, hindsight is twenty twenty, but that doesn't mean you have to go beating yourself up for past mistakes because those, those moments in our... Um, in our life and those mistakes, um, they help shape the person we become and, and how we develop. And, um, the only, I think I've said this about 5 million times now, 
Um, but the only expensive mistakes are the ones you don't learn from. So of course, um, hindsight mm. is twenty twenty. but like anything, take it, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. That was way more articulate than, than what I just said. So everybody <laughs> listen to Sam. Don't listen to me. <laughs> no, but you're right. Take it with a grain of salt. Take it day by day. Like just don't take yourself so serious, like take yourself mm. seriously, but don't take yourself seriously. You know, like take your th- life and, and what you want to do very seriously, pay attention to what you're doing, but have fun. Like life's mm. too short, but exactly. it's also really long. You know, you Live probably like have another 80 years ahead of you. Yeah. So what's another year or two? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's saying my internet connection is unstable. That's weird. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, that's the thing, right? Like a lot of people are freaking out about the next year or two, but in the grand scheme of things, a year or two is nothing. Like I probably have another 60 years ahead of me. So mm. if the next year is shitty and I don't make a lot of money, so be it. Uh, mm. If in three years, that means I can be healthier and a better mindset and can deal with, you know, coming out of a global pandemic stronger. Yeah. Imagine what the rest of my life will look like after this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, fantastic way to finish. Before I let you go, I just want to ask you um, for the... Um, gratification or the uh edification i guess of uh, my audience where can where can people go and follow your work and and your podcast yeah so um you can follow my podcast on instagram at supercall podcast and the podcast itself is called sips of supercall and you can stream it on itunes spotify stitcher google you know all the things and uh, for myself, my personal Instagram is at Gazelle Ohai, um, which I think you'll put in the show notes. Uh, but I'll yeah, spell I'll it put out. all that in yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spell it out. Uh, it's G-H-A-Z-A-L-E-L-H-A-E-I. My parents really wanted to complicate my life with all the vowels. So <laughs> uh, I think that would <laughs> yeah, make you, you a key player. If you follow player, me on Scrabble. my personal Instagram, yeah, fantastic. Look, I mean, thank my you so much. is literally gazelle like, like the animal. <laughs> thank you so much, Sam. Score on them. Oh, wow. I'll be listening. <laughs>